on this episode of Therapy Bites Art Lab. I'm Doc Keith, your friendly neighborhood neuromechanic, and we're going to talk about spirits. That's right, I did say spirits, unsafe spaces, and other tales of terror on this episode. Welcome to Therapy Bites Art Lab, where Dr. Heath and his special guests share real-life stories of helping and healing. Fresh from the actual therapy couch, while taking a bite out of common counseling missteps and misconceptions. And now, here's Heath and the T-Ball team. And welcome, guys, to this is podcast number five, Therapeutics Art Lab. That stands for Accurate Realistic Thinking and Life Affirming Beliefs. And we're on a mission to bring you stories fresh from the top of the therapy couch and sometimes the darker recesses beneath. And speaking of the darker recesses beneath, with spooky season, we're making some Halloween-themed episodes because we think it's fun. It's a fun season. <laughs> Don't take it too seriously. Uh, but we do take seriously some of the therapy, uh, 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 psychotherapy horror stories that we hear from patients. And today we're going to talk about the common meme uh, myth perception, I did say myth as a mythology, myth perception, that uh, the word safety is getting. Uh, it's almost as if any non-preferred event has all of a sudden become unsafe for me. People talk about safe spaces on Zoom meetings as if if we didn't make sure it was safe, the, 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 the computer's going to attack us or something. And we want to dispel some of those myths because we think that those are very, very sabotaging ways to work, uh, uh, ways to think, ways to operate, ways to live, ways to sculpture reality and your perceptions. And today, uh, again, we have our brave psychotherapy adventuring crew with us, Sarah, the bookworm, Heather, the gamer girl who paused her game to be with us to talk about these (laughs) spirits of unsafe spaces, and Debbie, who dares to, you know, get into the deep of psychotherapy every day and address things like major depression and different personality disorders and different levels of psychopathy with patients uh, from A to Z. Okay, uh, spirits, unsafe spaces, and other tales of terror. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about some cognitive distortions, uh, one of which is catastrophizing. Let's mm-hmm. see. Big $5 word, as my dad would say, catastrophizing. Say that five times real fast. And uh, avoidance, but also learn behavior. Uh, how do you guys think that this relates to uh, the, the safety that, of course, every human being needs? That's kind of on Maslow's hierarchy, isn't it? Safety, isn't that one of mm-hmm. Maslow's? Uh, that's on level number one, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah. absolutely. It's true. <laughs> and I think, I think the behaviors come from people um, practicing, you know, unhealthy thinking. In other words, there's a lot out there about safe spaces as far as, you know, a big one is that I've seen with PTSD, you know, everybody out there has to uh, tiptoe around me and not trigger me, you know. <laughs> I won't be safe unless somebody doesn't trigger me. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the more you practice that and the more you do it and the more you think that way, kind of like, you know, we talk about practice, 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 yeah. you develop unhealthy learned behaviors Mm -hmm. as well absolutely and it's going to be harder and harder for you to get out there and do things because you've convinced yourself that if somebody says something or does something or if anything just seems like off to you that um you you can't handle it you know all those all those kind of things 
Right, right. And you're not safe unless all the conversation and everything going on is comfortable, is mm-hmm. preferred, is what, how you would prefer it to be. Anything yeah. that's not comfortable must be a danger to me. Mm-hmm. If I'm uncomfortable, it means I'm not safe. I mean, imagine the connotations of that. Uh, you would go around throughout most of the day thinking that you're not in, that you're not uh, safe every time that you were in a longer Walmart line than you preferred. You know, if you're in a, a line of 20 people, you must not be safe. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and a lot of the healthiest things you can do and important things you need to do are not comfortable. Yeah, a lot of your absolutely. best decisions are not comfortable. I'll just take it from a standpoint of a parent. Disciplining your kids is not pleasant and comfortable. Yeah. It's not, but it's the right thing to do. Right. Doesn't well, mean it's not safe. And if, if we look about the way that you know you overcome PTSD, it's by exposure. Absolutely. You, know, you have to be able to go out there in, in an uncomfortable place and, and do uncomfortable things in order to overcome what has happened. Change doesn't happen in a comfortable. No. You know, do you want mm-hmm. comfort or change? Right. Can't have both. <laughs> you know what you're the- talking about is ERP. Uh, yeah. uh, right. Echo Romeo. Uh, uh, what's what's the phonetic alphabet I for P? Oh. Paco. No, it's not. Paco. <laughs> ah, when he wears a military hey. guy, when we need it. Peanut butter. <laughs> <laughs> <Is> it, oh, <laughs> I guarantee you, it's not peanut butter. <laughs> I promise you, it's not peanut butter. Uh, maybe Peter or something. Yeah. I don't know. But uh, exposure response prevention. You know, th- this really uh, got going in the late sixties and seventies, where if someone had some type of phobia, they would be exposed to it, and then their their typically programmed response would be prevented. And I'll share a disgusting example. For instance, if somebody had a phobia, which, by the way, many people accuse me of having a germophobia, <laughs> uh, but really it's just I want to stay healthy, you know, I mean... I, uh, I'll tell you a story about that later, but if I know I'm safe, I'm okay with germs. If I think I'm going to get sick, I kind of uh, take precautions. But we would take someone to a public restroom who had a germophobia, and we would have them. And, of course, this is, this is pretty far along in therapy after we've done a lot of practice sessions and a lot of guided imagery, and, and we would have them find a, a, a stall where there was product in the toilet, and roll up their sleeve, put their hands in there, grab the product, and wash mm-hmm. their hands with it, and then count to, I don't know, 90 or 100, and then they could thoroughly wash their hands, exposure response prevention. If you want to deprogram some type of difficulty that you're going through, you're, you're going to have to expose yourself to it. And that's never more true than with PTSD. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a matter of fact, one of the Cadillac treatments is PE, prolonged exposure, mm-hmm. and that's tough. I mean, I, I have uh, uh, servicemen and women ask me, and I, I don't, I don't fib to them. I say, "Hey, this is terrible marketing," but both CPT and PE are both really, really challenging therapies to do. But they're highly successful. There's highly, they're highly successful. Telling people, which I've heard of other clinicians doing, you just need to get ready for a life of basically agoraphobia. Mm-hmm. You know, if this place, if you're scared to go to this place, uh, then stay home, no, stay away no. from it, avoid this, avoid that. And and the mantra in those that know how to treat PTSD is it is avoidance 
that keeps PTSD going. Mm -hmm. One of the biggest Mm -hmm. things I learned at the VA is avoidance keeps PTSD going. Now, you can build up to it. I'm not talking about throwing you into the deep end of the the pool. Uh, That's that's not a, a good thing to do. You can build up to it. But at some point, we need to make a list of things we've been avoiding, uh, things that we call unsafe, and gradually uh, titrate up to the mm-hmm. thing that uh, is a, at the top of our lists. Mm-hmm. What have you seen with parents, uh, with with parents and kids, and? and others suffering from uh, uh, PTSD, veterans, uh, people who have been abused? As far as avoidance? Yeah, avoidance in particular. Oh, boy. A lot. I mean, a real, a real common one that I've seen is when they go, go into a restaurant or go into a place, you have to sit in that back corner ah. with mm-hmm. your back to the corner where you can have, you know, you can see the whole mm-hmm. restaurant to scan it. Um, that's, that's, that's a big one that I see a lot of yeah right and if we're if we're talking about families so families with children too it's almost like um whichever spouse doesn't have ptsd and even the spouse with ptsd will teach the child you know how to kind of tiptoe around the person Mm. um and instead of kind of explaining you know this is what's going on and we're going to help you know, mommy or daddy overcome this. Instead, it's like, well, you know, when, when daddy's asleep, we don't wake him up. We don't touch him. We don't, you know, we're just going to leave him be. And, and you and I are going to come over here and be real quiet. Constantly yeah, kind of walking on eggshells. Right. Yeah. 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 Uh, stomp the eggshells. Stomp, <laughs> stomp. I take my word for it. Stomp the eggshells. Now, I say that kind of tongue in cheek, but the form that should take is, is whole family education. Mm-hmm. We, we yes. can't just treat the person with PTSD. It's all, you know, they say it takes a, a village to raise a child. Mm-hmm. It takes a whole family yes. to to heal PTSD. And and what is PTSD? PTSD is a normal response to an abnormal situation, mm-hmm. uh, but it gets programmed at a very deep level, and it becomes very very persistent. The alarm reaction over time, the hyper emotional arousal, and the avoidance becomes very deeply ingrained over time. But tiptoeing around it is the best way to make it worse. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, I call the taxicab driver effect or the taxicab driver phenomenon. Just a, a tad of research here is some research was done on London taxicab drivers, and they uh, uh, London taxicab drivers to get their permission to drive have to learn all the streets, highways, and byways. And the imaging studies of their cortices, their neocortex, the outer coating of the brain, showed that their mapping software, mapping software, was I don't I, I forget the number. I think two hundred and seventy something percent more prolific. Uh, than mine or yours would be that, that we were not taxicab drivers. And the same effect happens with avoidance. The more you avoid, the more you train your brain to avoid, and you're actually making PTSD worse. Mm-hmm. And clinicians that don't get on top of that are participating in people's PTSD worsening. And But as a clinician, you have to realize you, you are risking being fired. If I ask you to do something really hard and you have PTSD, you could just quit. And that happens a lot. Right. And and that's an avoidance response. But going the other way, and I don't mean to, to be accusatory, but it's unethical. 
I mean, if, if all you're concerned about is, is protecting your job as a clinician uh, by, by not giving the patient hard things to do because they could leave, well, guess what? Eventually, they'll leave anyway mm-hmm. because they're not getting the treatment they need. They're not getting better. They're actually getting worse. They're going to quit anyway. You're better off sticking with a protocol. And, and I ask patients this who come to me, well, your last clinician, what was their protocol? I said, I don't know. They just talked and sat there and nodded their head. Or I talked the whole time. The, uh, the, the patient talked the whole time. And the clinician just sat there and was a nodding head doll. That's not treatment. Certainly not treatment for PTSD. Mm-hmm. But we have to really short circuit the avoidance. We actually literally have to help the patient learn to avoid avoiding. <laughs> avoid avoiding. And if we're not doing that, uh, well, we're just not really doing our job. Spirits, unsafe spaces, and other tales of terror. What are some other tales of terror that you've seen with uh, uh, treating PTSD or other mental syndromes? Kind of going off what you said about clinicians, too. I think there's also the thought of, well, what if what if my client doesn't like me? You know, that kind of that mind reading, catastrophizing, that kind of stuff. We're, we're participating in the very thing that we should be modeling and, and teaching clients to not participate in. Well, now, now tell me more about what if what if my patient doesn't like me? What are some of your thoughts right. about that? So maybe there's like, well, if I if I tell them this thing and they get upset, I'm making the assumption. So I'm mind reading, catastrophizing that this person doesn't like me. And, you know, <laughs> maybe the the quote therapeutic relationship isn't going the way that I would prefer it to go. You know, it's interesting about that. I, I'll take the easier thing first okay. uh, from an ethics uh, standpoint. Mm-hmm. Uh, your job is not being liked. No. Uh, you, you, uh, <laughs> my, my job is not uh, uh, that when my, my patient sees me, they have warm fuzzies, or when they think about <laughs> me, they have warm fuzzies. You know, old Doc Heath, you know, I think he's the best buddy in the whole wide world, and we hold hands <laughs> and take long walks in the park. No, that's I'm a technician. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm, I'm basically a neurological electrician. I'm here to help you rewire things, except for I'm handing you the tools, and you're rewiring your own brain um the 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 other part of that is it's 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 not only my job to be liked it it is my job to challenge the patient Mm -hmm. because if not for that what do they need me for if if they're just going to come here for fuzzy wuzzies they can get that uh, with, you know, somebody using a, a feather duster to their earlobe or something. And I tell patients all the time, this is therapy. It's just not massage therapy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it, unless it's, you know, rolfing, which is a very almost, <laughs> you know, violent form of, of massage therapy. It's, it's, it's really more like a heavy-duty leg workout in the gym. I mean, wow. you can expect some grunting and groaning and sweating and moaning and, and a lot of soreness the day after. And I've had patients say, gosh, doc, you know, when I left, I actually felt worse. Well, if, if, if the point of therapy was about feeling good, um, then you've come to the wrong place. But that is not the point of therapy. I mean, people uh, uh, think often that it is. But uh, one of the stories that I share is of a, a physician that told me a patient came in uh, with abdominal pain uh, to the ER and they finally examined them and found a series of incisions on their abdomen 
um, where there had been laparoscopic surgery, and I, I think it wound up being some type of, of course, uh, maybe a gallbladder removal or something. And the doc said, you're here because you're having abdominal discomfort? Oh, yeah, it's horrible. Did, did no one tell you that after abdominal surgery there will be post-surgical discomfort? <laughs> well, that's kind of therapy. You know, that's how therapy works is you can plan on discomfort. Mm -hmm. And if the therapy that you're getting is comfortable, uh, it's, it's like a guy I saw in the gym one time. He was on a cell phone on the leg press playing Angry Birds. <laughs> I mean, if you can play Angry Birds on the freaking leg press, you need to put more weight on the leg press because you're not getting anything out of it. Spirits, Unsafe Spaces, and Other Tales of Terror. Uh, this is Therapy Bites Art Lab, and we're glad that you're here today. And uh, we've talked about catastrophizing. What about learned behavior? How does some of this become learned behavior? You're listening to Therapy Bites Art Lab. Bite-sized therapy for your brain with Dr. Heath and the T-Ball Team. The best advice on the net. No copay required. We talked about the London taxi cab driver. Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. yeah. the, the more you do something, yes. and that is anything, mm -hmm. the more your brain will wire you up to do that. Mm -hmm. Right, exactly. So the, the very thing that you are trying to avoid, which may be, you know, uncomfortable emotions or, or thoughts that your memories think that you'd rather not remember, you know, the less likely you are going to be able to, you know, cope with that in a healthy way because you've pushed it away so hard it's not going away. It doesn't just go away like that. And if, if you habitually tell yourself that you can't trust people, that you're not safe, that you're powerless, you know, all these things, you're reinforcing it, reinforcing it, reinforcing it. Mm -hmm. Like self-fulfilling prophecies. Yeah, Very much exactly, so a self-fulfilling yeah. prophecy. Mm -hmm. uh, whether you think you can or you think you cannot, you are correct. Mm -hmm. It will be as you decide for it to be. And I don't think people, I mean, we pick on social media a lot, but it's really just a cesspool of psychological misinformation. And some of the favorites tend to be manipulation. Mm -hmm. Avoid those manipulators. They can mm -hmm. control your mind. Mm -hmm. um, uh, toxic people. Mm -hmm. Yes. Gaslighting. And controlling, I think, are some of the biggies. Mm -hmm. But the whole toxicity thing has just really, uh, you know, the term is semantic creep. It's, it's, it's creeping where it, it's just consuming everything. You know, we, uh, I first heard about toxic people, toxic relationships. Uh, and now there's evidently toxic uh, love and uh, mm -hmm. toxic happiness. Wow. <laughs> There was another interesting one. What other toxicities have you heard? I mean, we're going to have to get the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency, involved and start wow. rounding up these people. Mm -hmm. wow. I, I don't know that I've heard another one specifically toxic, but something that I've seen a lot recently and, and just in past years, too, is if it doesn't bring you joy, get rid of it. Oh, yes. wow. That's, that's a yeah. pretty... Wow. Kind of like that good vibe. So much me. for lawn work. Let the grass grow. Yeah. So much for paying taxes. Mm -hmm. yeah. You'll have to get you a bumper sticker. You know, there's a whole segment <laughs> of society that is anti-tax, and, and you'd have to get you a bumper sticker 
uh, and join the group because I personally, I've never found that paying taxes brings many people pleasure at all. You have to get rid of that. Mm-hmm. Or for some people, even holding down a job. Mm-hmm. Right. Imagine unemployment. Relationships. Yeah. Every yeah, time a relationship gets hard, to yeah. get rid of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's true. I've seen that too. Any Anything that's difficult in your life, the way to have a fulfilling life is take it out of your life. And I'm thinking, you going to have much left? <laughs> right, yeah. right. Yeah. Well, it kind of comes and goes because one day you might find pleasure in it when this person or, or, or event situation circumstance, you're having pleasure. Uh, but then another day it may not. And I tend to look at life as a big, thick book. I mean, imagine having the power to, to rip a page out of your book of life every time something on that page is, is not enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a slippery slope because mm-hmm. the more difficult things you rip out of your book of life, your brain will find the next less difficult thing now has become the most difficult thing and you rip that out and the next less difficult thing has now become the most difficult thing and of course with this resilience just takes a nosedive Mm -hmm. you're you're simply not resilient to anything it's almost like uh, you're a a little boy a little girl living in a bubble Mm -hmm. and, and you have no immune system I mean, as much as I try to be infection control conscious, I do realize that I will still be exposed to contaminants, but those contaminants almost kind of serve, I'll say a nasty word here given our political climate, uh, are are almost kind of a a daily invisible vaccine Mm -hmm. because my immune system is working behind the scenes vaccinating my physiology to be resilient Mm-hmm. toward those contaminants. Now, let's say that the, there are psychological contaminants. Imagine if there really were these toxic people, which really are just people that you disagree with. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. people that are toxic or gaslighters or manipulators. I mean, really, this is just a pseudonym used to bully and to get your way by labeling people with these things, as I like to say on social media. By the definition of gaslighter, which is somebody trying to convince you that you're crazy, that you have a thinking problem. If you're labeling somebody a gaslighter, aren't you telling them that they have a thinking problem? Which then makes you the gaslighter. <laughs> mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's the most hypocritical thing I've ever run into. <laughs> trying to tell somebody that you're claiming is, 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 is putting you down by putting them down makes you the very thing you're accusing them of. But let's just say you could eliminate all those people. Well, I would say that you've become a weaker person. It's almost as if you could turn off gravity. <laughs> your, your muscles would wither away. We need a certain amount of gravity. And in life, we need a certain amount of uh, a psychological gravity to, to keep us psychologically muscled up. Right. Well, and, and let's say you, you were able to get rid of those people, you know, and you just had your friends around. Your friends are not going to agree with every single thing mm-hmm. that you say. And eventually your friends are going to become, oh, well, now my friends are toxic. Now my family's toxic. Now it's just a, a downward spiral from there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And I've seen that very thing happen. And, mm-hmm. and, and unfortunately, where have I seen these people? I've seen them for, 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 uh, Probably 10 or 10 or 11 years, I did a whole lot 
of end of life care, uh, and because I was in long term care, mm-hmm. and it was a wonderful time. I, I heard so many stories, but also saw some of the saddest things because the people you're talking about, their in state wound up being in a nursing home bed alone. Mm. Yeah. Quick yeah. story. It is a regulation, a federal regulation under OBRA, the Omnibus Budget Reconciliation Act, uh, that, that patients' families, the responsible party, must be kept informed of the patient's condition. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I have encouraged facilities that I consulted to to do that, and they said, well, but their family doesn't want to hear from them. Well, I had to check it out. I couldn't take their word for it. You know, as we say, in God we trust, all others must document. And I would contact these families. You know, that's true in our field. In God yeah. we trust, yeah. all others must document. Mm-hmm. And I have literally had families tell me uh, that that very same thing. Uh, they lived for themselves. Now they can die by themselves. If you continue as a human to label other people as having a problem, every time they say to you something you don't prefer, you will become more and more and more alone. It is a slippery slope, which you have my permission to step foot on. I just want you to know that it will take you farther than you ever wanted to go. It will cost you more than you ever wanted to pay. And it will keep you longer than you ever wanted to stay and you'll die alone Mm. all these labels i encourage you to give those up what's the best label for another human that is saying something to you that you don't prefer tick tock tick tock tick tock (laughs) cue the jeopardy music the great the the best label is another human yes they're a human uh other humans don't have to uh, uh, form their lives to make sure they never say anything that you don't prefer or they get some bullying label from you that, Oh, they're, they're gaslighting me. I, I, my wife likes to watch, uh, what is it? Housewives of whatever city. And, uh, Lisa Rena's <laughs> on there. You know, she's a famous movie star, married to one of my favorite actors that played in, uh, what was that movie when I was a kid? Clash of the Titans. So it's Harry Hamlin. And, uh, I, I was just kind of taken back when, a lady was sharing her perspective and uh, you know, maybe she wasn't a healthy lady. I don't know, but she was sharing her perspective. And uh, Lisa Rena said, I will not sit here and let you gaslight me. <laughs> well, through what neurological mechanism is that occurring? I mean, is there an app for that? No. <laughs> I mean, she was sharing her perspective and Lisa Rena just cut her off. I think that's just rude. Uh, let her say what she wants to say. And then you, or in this case, Lisa Rena, Get to decide what to think about and what to respond to it. You're not doing anything to me when you're sitting there saying 2 plus 2 is 37, except for I just, I don't know, I don't think it's 37, but whatever, you know, your opinion. Uh, have you all seen cases like that in, in, in patients' lives? Absolutely, yes. Mm-hmm. Def- definitely seen that. Um, I mean, especially if you kind of look at, a relationship maybe where the relationship's not going the way that they plan. Maybe they're not getting everything that they want. So all of a sudden, spouse, uh, significant other, whoever it is, becomes the bad guy. Because obviously we don't ever want to see ourselves as whatever the bad guy. But, you know, we're in any relationship, 
you know, both parties are going to make mistakes and that's, that's pretty normal. Now I'm not talking about like a, an actual, um, you know, domestic violence situation. That's, that's very different than this. But, you know, Mm -hmm. if, if we're just not getting everything that we want in a relationship and we decide to go down that slippery slope of, well, you know, they just don't love me anymore or they're just trying to get what they want or, you know, that kind of stuff. It, it's, it's a dangerous place to take yourself because you will start viewing that person in a different light. Mm-hmm. You create a disgust response toward that person. Right. And there are no relationships so full of fairy dust <laughs> that they will never disagree with you. They will never say something that you don't prefer. Let's go around, Robin, here before we close out the episode today. And what, what might be a good cognitive restructuring? What might be a good, a good psychological strategy for somebody that used to farm out their locus of control? We talked about that the last episode on, on thinking that, uh, I'm not safe because something here is going on that I don't prefer. What what might be a good way to think about that that our, our viewers and listeners can take away and, and actually deploy this very week? Right, absolutely. And and this one is one that I say a lot, but it's an opportunity for growth. Absolutely. You might learn something that you didn't know before. You know, just because somebody's yeah. saying something you disagree with doesn't mean you're one hundred percent gonna disagree with everything that they have to say. But how are you gonna know if you don't listen to them? Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's an opportunity for practice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. It is. Because like we've said, we're all human. And so we all have our own flaws, our own mistakes that we make, and our own topics that maybe are sensitive and uncomfortable, you know, but that doesn't mean that we can't get along on some things and we can't just hear each other out. And, and, I, and I think that I love that. I love that. I think that we should be willing to give the grace and space to hear somebody out. Uh, people shout about it's all over social media, feeling seen and heard. Now, that's mm-hmm. not a feeling. Mm-mm. There's no feeling that tells you that you're being seen. That would take an eye exam uh, <laughs> of the other person. There's no feeling that tells you've been heard. That take an ear exam of the other person. Uh, that's a belief. But if you want that, then give that to other people. Stop cutting them off with these perverse labels of gaslighting, manipulating, controlling uh, uh, toxicity just because they're saying something that you don't like. Uh, mm-hmm. Last I checked, we live in a country where freedom of speech was highly valued, but it's gotten to be that the only free speech that's really free is speech that you prefer hearing. Now imagine, maybe that's okay today, but tomorrow if the tide changes, maybe somebody else is in charge of deciding whether you should have free speech. And um, two things, two things that I will tell people is when you, when you talk to someone or when this is happening, listen to understand, not to respond. Number Mm -hmm. one. And number two, don't approach the situation with curiosity Mm -hmm. and, and approach Mm -hmm. it as an opportunity, not with judgment. In other words, it's good or bad. That's right. Find it. I love the curiosity thing. Mm -hmm. Choose to find it curious and interesting. Mm -hmm. And I hear people say to me in these social media debates, interesting things all the time. I had a a person (laughs) reach out to me. Here's my social media debate of the day. Reached. I I made a post. It's usually on, they're repetitive. It's usually on toxicity or gaslighting. That seems to be 
the favorite of these people trying to sell apps on social media because they don't understand psychology, but they want to sell an app about it. Go figure. And uh, this person reached out and said, I hope you're okay. You use so many capital letters. And I said, well, I, I guess I didn't know there's a diagnostic threshold for using capital letters. <laughs> I mean, what would you recommend? Would you say that, 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 that two letters is okay and three letters is above the threshold and you're now mentally ill since you use three capital letters? I told her, I said, you use two capital letters, O and K. Uh, I mean, does that mean you're below the threshold? Uh, or is any use capital letters above the threshold and you're mentally ill in some way? Uh, but but she was saying that uh, I was uh, harassing her by responding to her. Mm-hmm. And I pointed out, number one, this is a social media platform. That is a public platform. Mm-hmm. Okay, number one. Uh, number two, you engaged me. I didn't engage you. And number three, stop freaking whining and complaining about it because someone disagrees with your opinion. Uh, we can respond to that with curiosity and with uh, care and, yes, with respect. And, you know, I was saying that to her with love in my heart, and I meant it because I wanted to wake up this person that the best way to honor and respect people is to honor and respect their right to free speech, even if they say something you disagree with. If you disagree with me, please tell me. It's just information. It's information I would not have had if you would not have spoken it. If you think I'm a doo-doo head, please let me know. Do it in a nice way. Um, I I can take it. I can take it. It is simply air set in motion. Thanks for... I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, and two, like if you keep telling yourself that you're not in a safe space, that's just igniting the amygdala and keeping you amped up into, you know, where it's in that fight or flight mode. (laughs) That's right. Just like an air horn going off. I mean, if you want to program your brain to believe that capital letters are a threat to you, then every time you see capital letters, you're going to ignite your amygdala. Or if somebody's saying, hey, give me a freaking peanut butter sandwich. If you're going to label that as manipulation, then you're going to light up your amygdala. Mm-hmm. If you're going to view somebody disagreeing with you as toxic, you better get ready. There's a whole lot of people coming your way, and I think the universe will provide it uh, to maybe teach you a lesson because people's differing opinions are not toxic. It's just information we can Mm -hmm. view it as just information okay join us next time uh, for episode number six we're doing some spooky psychological syndromes and uh, we'll be back with episode six next week thank you for coming share it with your friends and family we'll catch you next time bye Bye, guys hey t-ballers thanks so much for being with us today if we brought value to your day Show us some love by leaving your positive feedback and inviting some friends to listen in and join the T-Ball team. Next time on Therapy Bites Art Lab. Stress is scary because it can kill you quicker than a flesh-eating zombie, right? It can cause heart attacks and, 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 and just shrink your brain and cause your heart to explode. Well, not so much. And on this episode of Therapy Bites, we're going to dispel some myths about scary stress, spooky stress, and set you straight when it comes to all things psychology related to stress. Join us coming up.